Greetings, everyone. This is Peter Diarger. Welcome to the eighth episode of Y2K and Autobiography. This, this episode is going to be a little bit different from the others. What I'm going to do is go through 24 different conferences that were held on Y2K during the time from around 1993 until 1999. They cover four countries, and we're going to do this all in about 60 minutes. How interesting will it be? I honestly don't know. For me, it's fascinating because I was there and watching the conversations take place, and I have a deeper understanding of what was going on. But for the average listener, I don't know if hearing about 24 different conferences and some of the things that we discussed will be a bit of interest. But it is a part of the history of Y2K. So let's get started. The first one that I want to touch on is... Uh, Lake Bonavista, 1994, May. And it's a conference put on by ASM, Association for Systems Management. Now, this is after the Doomsday 2000 article came along. And the Association for Systems Management is embedded deep inside IT. They are an IT association. And in 1994, this was a 500-page conference proceedings that I'm looking at, and not one single mention of the year 2000 yet. Y2K isn't used at all. Year 2000 isn't discussed. And yet at the same time, ASM at this conference, we're looking out into the future. We're talking about technology and how we benefit from it, how we maintain it, how we fix it. And there's not one single comment reference to a problem that is going to be there right around the corner. Fast forward a year, go to Reno, Nevada, 1995, June. Business information technology hit the jackpot with human resource systems put on by HRSP. Now, human resources isn't really a technology aspect, but they're talking about human resource systems. Human resources was crucial during Y2K. And there's not one, again, not one single mention of Y2K. I was a keynoter at that conference, and even I didn't talk about Y2K. 1995, what am I talking about? Talking about change management. Why am I not talking about Y2K if I'm so interested in it? Well, I tried to sell the idea to the organization. They wanted me to speak. I said, here's a topic that we could talk about. It's going to affect us. Nah, not interested. Let's talk about change management instead, which is fine. I mean, that was my core uh, activity before I got invo involved in Y2K. So I'm happy to do the talk, get paid for it. 1995, June, Reno, Nevada. Fast forward again. We're now in 1996, October, Orlando, Florida, and we're attending one of the first big Y2K conferences. From this point on, the industry has woken up and we're paying attention. This is put on by DCI. Uh, there was no doubt that putting on Y2K conferences was a profitable business. These conferences had somewhere between three to 1,300 to 1,000 people at every event. Uh, fee to attend, $800 to $1,000, $1,200. There is absolutely no doubt that there was a business starting up, but it was a business that had a willing customer. There was a huge need to start sharing information and as I mentioned in the Y2K as a change project, communication was key to everything. And I mentioned that we had used conferences as one of our media channels to get in connected with people higher up the food chain in organizations. The early adopters and the innovators were there, certainly programmers, analysts, they were there. But I think these conferences, the primary representation was managers of IT departments, IT responsibilities in large organizations, so that they were coming to find out what is going on and what does everybody else know. Here's a list of some of the things that we were doing at this particular conference, and this is the start of the the, the deluge of conferences that started to happen uh, through the latter half of the 1990s. Pre-conference workshops. Uh, the keynote was one of mine. Surviving the year 2000, awareness, denial, panic, and triage. Well, actually, no, that wasn't mine. That was someone else's. 
Ken Orr, I think. The year 2000 computer crisis was likely mine. Tools, automated solutions was a topic that was very, very um, hot at that point. We were beginning to realize that we were not going to be able to eyeball billions of lines of code. We were getting deep into the weeds. There were presentations that discussed things like the following, strange things that we found inside the code. If you ran across 070496 and you knew that it was MMDDYY, month, day, year, and then the programmer does the following. He takes the code I just mentioned, the, the text I just mentioned, 070496, and he concatenates it, he or she, concatenates it to itself. And now you end up with this weird thing, 070496, 070496, which is just month, day, year, month, day, year. If you look inside that, if you actually wrote that down, you'll see that there is a contiguous piece that goes year, month, day. There's also another contiguous piece that goes day, year, month. And what the programmer was doing was a peculiar shortcut to say, okay, if I want year, month, day, I just have to take uh, from position 5 through to six, seven, eight, nine, ten, position 10. And if I want day, year, month, for whatever peculiar reason, then I would take position 3 all the way to position 1, 2, 3, 4. <laughs> You get the idea. Uh, now, why is getting into the weeds like this important at a conference? Shouldn't we be talking about higher level stuff? Yeah, we we should. But it's also really important to know that the code is not good code. There are all types of weird little programming things that people did. And if you were going to be expanding this particular program from a two-digit year to a four-digit year, this weird bit of code has to be totally redone. And it's not a matter of just sending in an automated tool because you're going to run into instances that your automated tools have never seen, have no idea how to deal with, and are not immediately obvious. There's another way to do the same thing. You take 070496, turn it into a number, and then multiply it by 100001, you end up with the same duplication of numbers. Now, if you're saying to yourself, Peter, this is awfully complicated. Why are you giving it to us in a podcast? Is because I want to communicate that it is awfully complicated. It's not only complicated when you're listening to it. It's complicated when you're looking at the code and you're need, needing to figure out how to fix this stuff. That is what these conferences were very, very good at, bringing people together and telling stories about the things they found and how they went about fixing it. What it did was create awareness of how tricky this problem could be at times. At this particular conference, we were talking about government issues for the first time. We were talking about what can be automated, referring back to the type of thing I just discussed. We're talking about partitioning projects. What do I mean by partitioning? Well, basically, in an organization, you can't change everything at once. You have to have a project that is going to take a subset. And part of the challenge is how do you create that subset of applications so that you can work with that, leaving everything else in the unchanged state and yet still be able to work, run production? Partitioning the projects was not an easy task, and it took some deep thinking. And then there, of course, there were lots of reports from the field, as I described. By the way, uh, a lot of beer was drunk at these conferences. The best conversations were had at the bar, were had at the bar all night into the wee hours of the morning, drinking and discussing what you found and how you're fixing it. There were surveys uh, sent out and being reported back at these conferences. A survey sent out in 1995, 760 surveys sent out, 201 received back. Those 201 sets of responses were analyzed. One question asked is, why do you care a high IT priority? 36% said yes, and basically the rest, 64% in 1996, are saying that this is not a high priority. Next question, Y2K is a high business priority. 
less said yes. 27% of the people in attendance said, yeah, it's a high priority. The remainder, not so much. A statement, we must start by 1995. This was when the survey was sent out. We're at the conference now in 1996. We must start by 1995. 36% agree. The rest, nope. Next statement, we must start by 1998, two years in the future, leaving two years left. 60% say yes, the rest say not so much. One question that was I'm fond of, actually, is this will be dealt with by regular maintenance. There is no reason to set up a Y2K project. Regular maintenance will solve this. 28% said yes. The rest of them were beginning to suspect that regular maintenance wasn't going to take care of this, that it would have to be a much larger project. Some of the projects, GTE, GTE for example, had a project in excess of $300 million to fix this thing. Okay. 1995, let's head over to London, UK. Uh, another conference, this one's put on by Software Productivity Group, SPG. DCI and SPG were the two main conference providers in this uh, space. Their conference uh, was on the 23rd, 25th of October. Note that date. Uh, this was pretty much on the heels of the other one. And for the most part, it was a similar type conference. You saw the same speakers speaking from one conference to another. This one had a workshop. The keynote was solutions and strategies, tool classification. What were the tools out there? There weren't just one type of tool. There were scanning tools to find out where the dates were. There were automation tools. There were partitioning tools. There were workflow analysis tools, all types of tools. And there were several presentations that looked at the types of tools, three, 400 people in the audience taking notes, trying to figure out which tools they're going to use to move forward. Legal perspectives were starting to become an issue at this point. There was compliance issues. In other words, how will we prove that we are compliant? What certification programs will be out there? We were talking about change control and configuration management, typical IT stuff, but specific to this particular type of project. There was case studies started to come to the fore. Uh, people like Lloyds of London who were willing to talk in depth about what they were doing for the people in the audience who possibly hadn't started yet. There were discussions about how do you validate and test this? Do you have standalone computers? Do you run second production lines? Do you try and just create a partition in your mainframe to, to run this type of testing? Uh, building executive awareness and cost justification was a key issue at many of these conferences. This is the first one of those that I saw presented. And then looking beyond the year 2000, a little bit optimistic at this point, in my opinion, but different people have different views. And that's what this, these conferences are all about, hearing everything that's out there. British Telecom, for example, got up and presented about their particular project. They had 1,500 applications that they identified. They identified more than 100 million lines of code that needed to be fixed. And they figured that their cost was going to be somewhere between 93 million and 320 million British pounds. So these are the types of projects that are being discussed quite openly and surprisingly openly at these events. Uh, head back from London, I come all the way back. There's another conference on the same dates. This one is on October the 23rd and 25th, 1996 in Hamilton, Ontario. So I'm presenting at one, finish my talk, get on a plane, head over to the other one. 1996, this conference is put on by Municipal Electric Association. This was an interesting one. Now understand, the Municipal Electric Association is representing all the power companies in our particular province, Ontario. And they're in there, and we're talking about things. They're talking about the following types of issues. Work management, e-commerce towards the year 2000s, barcodes, re-engineering, two-way wireless data solutions, real-time data, SCADA systems, which is data collection. 
deregulation, control room and IT, customer value, phone notification systems, object-oriented technical data management, using very technical, right? 1996, power companies. I get up and I ask the audience, how many of you know about the Y2K problem? All the hands go up. Pretty much all the hands go up. How many of you know if you have a Y2K program, a problem rather? Not one single hand goes up. In other words, they're talking technology. They use technology. They depend upon technology. And the question is asked, do you know if you have a Y2K problem? They haven't looked. This is in the end of 1996. This is when I'm getting rather concerned. Now, it turned out that Y2K problems inside the power industry were few and far between. They did exist. We did have problems. We had nuclear power plants that had problems, not with generating power, no safety issues, but lots of simple things like workflow analysis, uh, security, badges stopped working. I mean, you couldn't get into the control room if a three-mile island type of thing was going to work, you know, happen. It wasn't. So these weren't serious problems. But in 1996, most power companies had not even yet looked at the problem to determine whether or not they had an issue, which was what we were all about. Out there beating the drum, saying this problem exists. How are we going to fix it? Okay, October the 23rd, I'm in Hamilton. Next day, we're a couple of days later, uh, we're back in Toronto. We're dealing with outsourcing lifecycle conference. Now, again, 500 page proceedings, 30 presentations over two days, talking about outsourcing. Now, flash forward a little bit. Outsourcing became a huge component of Y2K. Most organizations sent some of their work. Some of them sent all of their work offshore to outsourcing companies, primarily in India at the time. We're in 1996, the end of the year. We're at an outsourcing conference. Not one single mention of Y2K and the flood of work that's going to happen two or three years down the line. We knew that most of the problems that we were going to have were in COBOL systems. At this point in time, 1996, COBOL programmers are not exactly in every cubicle in the organization. We knew we'd have to fix that. These are technical people. We know how to talk about contracts and you know, responsibilities and liabilities and all of this stuff. But no one at this point in time is talking about Y2K. Now, the sponsor of this particular uh, conference is DCI. They're running Y2K conferences elsewhere. But at this one, they're not talking about Y2K at all. Who else is there? Metagroup, Digital, SHL, LTI, SAIC, CIO Magazine, Bell Canada, everybody's there. Everybody's working on Y2K, but we're not discussing it at this particular conference. Why? Well, we're focused on outsourcing, I guess, but not the outsourcing related to Y2K. Down the line a little bit, November 1996, back to Berkeley, California. The title of the conference is not atypical, finding the gold in the year 2000. And the idea there, I guess, is that, you know, you can't talk about it as a problem. You have to talk about it as an opportunity. So that's what we're going to do. This is the Fisher Center for Information Technology and Management. Uh, the topics we're discussing, software quality in year 2000 services, managing a worldwide enterprise conversion, year 2000 best practices, a little bit premature to be talking about best practices. I and mean, we, we've barely even begun the project. There is another case study from Clorox, a couple of others as well. Uh, lessons learned from completed projects. Two particular vendors discussing, not vendors, but um, attendees discussing what they're doing with Y2K. Uh, they are the Visa Project. The people running Visa, they have 30 million lines of code, 
multiple hardware platforms, 500 vendor products, and they determine and they announce at this conference that it's going to take them 200 years worth of work effort to get their problem fixed. It's 1996. They have 200 years of effort. They're going to need a lot of people. They're going to need COBOL programmers, and they're going to be doing some outsourcing. There's another project mentioned, Clorox project, 20 million lines of code. The code they're using consists of the following, COBOL, BAL, have no idea what that is, MVS, VSAM, Kix, Windows 85, Lotus Smart Suite, Focus, 123 Spreadsheets. As you can see, a mixed bag. It's no wonder that these things are taking hundreds of years worth of effort to get fixed. 1996, November, Monterey, California. It's a software maintenance conference. And for the most part, they're not really discussing uh, Y2K. When they do, it's discussed as a maintenance project rather than a particular standalone project on its own. Uh, most of the presenters are almost the academics in the IT world. They are writing about the art of maintenance rather than doing the maintenance themselves. Uh, it was an interesting conference. There were Y2K discussions. A lot of the arguments was that Y2K is not a standalone project. This was the perspective of these folks, that it was indeed a maintenance project. And they were right in a way. It could have been a maintenance project if early in 1980, or 1990, every time we went into a project, into a program, or into an application to modify it, to fix it, to add something, to remove something, if we'd been in there tinkering with Y2K as well, every time we run into a, a line of code that was causing a problem, if we fixed it somehow, then perhaps it would have been maintenance. But at this point in time, I, in my opinion, it's far beyond the horizon where we consider this as a maintenance project. It had to be a standalone, all hands on deck type of activity. Okay, now we head back to, where are we now? We're back in Toronto a couple of days later, and another, uh, which one is this? Another DCI? No, sorry, another SPG conference. And more and more case studies are being shared with people. Royal Bank of Canada shared their particular study. They had 588 applications, banking applications. These are the people that take care of your money. Out of the 588, 268 require modification. A total of 32,000 programs, 26 million lines of code, and they estimate about 300 years worth of effort. Oh, by the way, that 300 years of effort excluded testing and validation. Now, most people would agree that testing and validation is about 50% of a project. So what they're really looking at is not 300 years worth of effort, but they're looking at 600 years of a Y2K project. Uh, and it's really important to understand these people are not investing 600 years worth of effort because any speaker gets up on the stage and tells them they have a Y2K problem. They are investing that type of effort because when they go in and test their systems, they immediately find problems. Speaking to a fellow yesterday, one that I'll be interviewing later on in the series, they had a program. They went to their head organization. Uh, they had a meeting to explain Y2K. They were shown the door very, very quickly because it was an unbelievable problem. They went out and they set up a test system for a billing system, basically tracking phone calls and then billing the various providers for the phone calls that were taking place at the various towers. Once they'd made the change to the data and fast-forwarded the date and started the test run, this is what happened. There were 160,000 problems in the first 10 seconds of running the test. Five minutes later, the system crashed. Basically, Y2K killed their system, dead in the water. This is why 
people like the Royal Bank of Canada, were deciding to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to fix this stuff. A lot of the stories came from the conferences themselves. A lot of the networking highlighted some of the issues that were fed back into the communications channels. They'd helped convince others that they needed to get working on this. This was, in many ways, a positive feedback loop. Go to a conference, get information, go to the next conference, relay that information back, summarized, distilled in a way that people can understand to build the pressure to get people to work on this. Another conference, Chicago, December 1996. Uh, this one again is by DCI. It is almost a repeat of the conference that was in 1996, October, Orlando, Florida, almost a repeat. At least 60 to 70% of the speakers were the exact same speakers. Their talks changed a little bit, but the talk was, the, the, the conference was the same. Well, how can they repeat the conference? Well, because the need out there was so high. There were situations where SPG would be giving a conference in Chicago on one day, and the next day, DCI would be giving a Y2K conference uh, right after each other. There was no cannibalization of their market because the market was so huge. If you couldn't attend on a Monday, don't worry. There's going to be another Y2K conference on Tuesday. Uh, if it's not in your city today, wait a week. There'll be one next week. During the decade of the 1990s, there were two times where I was on the road for 60 days. I, I left say, the beginning of January, returned the, the end of February, gone for 60 days. In every one of the, in these trips, I would be at a conference every single working day. So in a 60-day period, I would be at a conference five days a week for eight weeks, 40 conferences, 40 conferences all around the world. There were more conferences than I could attend. For a while, th there was nothing but Y2K conferences in the IT industry. Part of this presentation, it, there must be a realization that I'm not talking about every single conference that was out there. I'm talking about a, a random snapshot of the various ones. If I'm on a 60-day trip, I'm not sending stuff back. Each one of these conference proceedings weighs four, five, six, seven pounds, and I'm not carrying 40 sets of conference proceedings back. On the longer trips, I bring back one or two. On a shorter trip, I'll bring back the one that's there. In my house, I must have, I don't know, 100 different conference proceedings. That's not the number that I attended. That's the, just the number of ones I happened to bring back. Conferences re were repeated. There was no doubt about that. But as they were repeating, the information was getting better. Uh, next conference, uh, 1997, January, Brussels, Belgium. Some of the conferences offered huge value for the people who attended. Uh, this particular conference, the, the fellow Patrick von Rentergem used to put together a large binder of resources at Y2K references and resources, articles, session summaries, costs, code examples, websites, contacts, you name it. Basically, it was a Bible. There was enough research material in that one booklet, that booklet, 300 plus pages, to keep your organization busy for a couple of weeks. More than enough stuff that'll help your project work better. That's what these conferences were all about. I have a vested interest in associations. But associations for me are the most effective way to get answers to technical problems. Why? Because you're with your peers and it's not listening to the speakers. The speakers are just filler. I'm a speaker. I'm a filler at a conference. The real value of any conference that you attend, and we must attend these conferences, is not the speakers who come to the stage. It's the conversations you have with our peers the people who are doing exactly the same type of thing that we are. That's why we go to conferences. We go so that we can sit in the bar and talk to birds of a feather, people who are doing the same thing we, we are. You can solve a problem in an evening that would take you a month to solve on your own.
Next conference, 19th March, London, diffusing the millennium bomb. Yeah, the wording never changed. It was the bomb. It was the crisis. It was doomsday. All of this was intended to get people really working on it. This is a money market conference. And this was an indication that the money markets, the people who had money and had invested interest in making sure that organizations didn't go bankrupt, they wanted to run conferences as well. Uh, the agenda for this one was interesting. Uh, first off, that the language is the same, diffusing the millennium bomb and winning. The need for board level understanding and commitment. Now we're at the late majority getting the people who really have power in organizations who are very skeptical i spoke about this in change y2k is a change issue the double whammy at the time we were doing this england was looking at the european union implications and the work they would have to do there to sync their systems with the, the european union how is that going to be impacted by the Y2K activities? Both of them were going on at the same time. A problem very, very different from the one we had in North America. Uh, another topic was creating a proactive task force. I would giggle at that a little bit. 1997 is not being proactive. 1997 is you're the late majority. You're getting on this late. Conducting full and complete audits. Since the money markets and the money managers are getting involved in this, that meant the lawyers were getting involved in this, and that means that full and complete audits, audits were important. We were identifying the Y2K costs. They were looking at, again, the millennium in the EU. That was a topic that was repeated several times, and they were looking at critical success factors. Uh, many of these organizations who attended this particular conference would actually be working on projects already. Uh, they were ones who had been a little bit proactive and are now trying to convince the really important people in the organizations that they still need to keep going. Uh, head back over to Phoenix, Arizona, 1997, March. Conference proceedings, DCI. Uh, again, almost the same presenters and the same topics as previous DCI events, but not really. Now we're starting to shift a little bit. The conversation is changing a little bit. The, we're looking at overview of inventory and assessment and project scoping. We've done that before, but now we're starting to raise the issues of the legal issues of Y2K. What are the rights, liabilities, and protections that you could put in place to protect your organization from lawsuits that might happen if your Y2K remediation doesn't work? In the beginning, we were talking about Y2K remediation. Now we're talking about what happens if we don't get it right. Year 2000 and the PC, people are finally starting to pay attention to the implications of PCs and all our end users. Uh, we're talking about assuring production, delivering and selling your products in year 2000. As you can see, it's becoming a business-focused thing now rather than just IT-focused. Testing for the year 2000 conversion was a popular topic, one that was repeated time and time again. Testing is a bear. Value of sharing information. Great presentation on how we're sharing information. It's sort of self-referential. We're at a conference talking about sharing information at conferences and internet and resources on the internet and listservs and associations that are popping up and the new magazines. Just constant conversations and actually talking about that as a topic in and of itself. Y2K was the first time the internet was used to solve a global problem. Everybody was there talking about the same thing. Everybody in IT, that is. There were other people who weren't talking about this at all, still. State of the business. Where are businesses on this? From theory to planning, a little bit late for that. Making sense of vendor claims. Again, a popular topic. Vendors claim that their product will do everything and anything that you need. That's not always the case. So we had experts, people with experience, people who had worked with the various tools saying, here are the ones we looked at, here are the, the pros and cons, here's the one we used in these particular situations. Project status monitoring, almost a PMI, project management institute type of presentation. How do you make sure your project's on time? ITAA, 
had finally brought in a year 2000 certification program. You could fill out forms, you could fill out uh, surveys, tell them what you've done, and based upon your answers, they would give you certification. They did not come in to verify that your program, your application, could actually handing, handle the year 2000. They did no testing. However, they did provide surveys and forms that indicated that you had at least attempted to do due diligence, that you had done what you needed to do. The ITA certification was important, and it prompted people to think about things that they hadn't necessarily thought of before they started to fill out the forms. We started to talk about automated code repair uh, applications and utilities, which by the end became incredibly powerful. They couldn't fix everything, but they could at least flag it. If they found a piece of code that contained a date based upon tagging dates at the beginning and reading the definition files, and they didn't know how to repair it, they could flag it and bring it to someone's attention so you could get someone to eyeball it, think about it, and try and fix it. That weird concatenation I mentioned at the beginning of the session uh, is an example of the type of thing it would flag. And now, for the first time, we start really talking about contingency planning. What if we don't get it done? And this was one of the first times we really started to get into that. 1997, starting to talk about what if we fail. Talking about risk management, avoiding risk, testing strategies, and again, and again, and again, evaluating all the different tools that are out there. Okay, uh, head on to... 1997, April, back to Toronto, we're looking at a data warehousing conference now. This is not uh, outsourcing. It's not a Y2K conference. It is not a maintenance conference. It is data warehousing. And unlike the other ones, though, because it is 1997, after all, Y2K has insinuated itself both into the conference as a separate topic and into the various presentations. Back when we were talking about the outsourcing and the software maintenance, Y2K wasn't mentioned. But at this point in time, it was impossible, even for people who just worked with data and talked about databases and normalizing data and how databases work, and how they're sorted, how they're indexed, even in just that pure sense of data warehousing, Y2K is becoming an issue and it's becoming a topic that people are discussing. So by this point, 1997, Y2K really has insinuated, gotten itself into every single IT conversation that you could have. 1997, June, Monterey, California, back to a DCI conference, nothing different. It's the same conference. It's the same one we've had every time, everywhere else. Uh, just following the bouncing ball, 1997, back to Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we have, which one do we have? Uh, DCI, maybe? No, SPG. I keep getting it wrong. Uh, again, pretty much the same as everyone else. However, we're starting to get into some new issues. Um, human resource strategies finally are becoming an issue. This is basically talking about how do you keep human, re how do you keep people on staff? Uh, we're talking about closing bonuses finishing bonuses. Uh, we're talking about how do we get COBOL programmers to come back out of retirement from Florida. We're talking about Y2K insurance. People are actually beginning to offer insurance. If you got compliance certification from ITAA, there were people out there who would be willing to offer you some type of insurance against Y2K failures. There were Y2K legal issues. That is now a hot topic. It is constantly discussed. And now we even have lawyers beginning to attend these events, not only to present, but to listen to other lawyers. We have, how do you, how do you maintain, how do you achieve compliancy? What are your compliance strategies? And again, uh, I, this is now constant at every conference, Y2K contingency strategies. And 
if you look at any one of these conference proceedings, this one was 800 pages in length. There are list upon list upon list of vendors. Uh, the vendor exhibits at these events, as you can imagine, are just rows upon rows of different vendors offering you different tools. There is no doubt at, that at this point, Y2K tools and utilities has become a standalone industry by itself. There, when you have billions of lines of code to be fixed, there's an opportunity for good coders to put something together that can be of someone assistance to someone along the line. Okay, off to Canberra, Australia. Not going to talk too much about this one. Just an indication that at around 1997, there were more and more governments having Y2K meetings, and I was invited to a few of them. Uh, won't get into the details. There's a do not distribute sign on this one, so I'm not going to talk about the contents, except to say that they're talking about where their projects are, what they've been doing, what they found, what they fixed, what systems they're going to fix, which ones are they going to replace, which ones are they going to shelve. And these conversations, this is just representative one of many, were happening all over the world. I attended similar events in uh, Canada, the States, the UK, various places around the world. Governments were, at this point, fully engaged. Uh, John Koskinen's office is up and running. Basically, governments are aware now and working. And they're not just working on their own projects, but they're working to educate the population as well as to what Y2K is really all about. December 1997, back to Chicago, Illinois, and we've got DCI again, same type of conference, except it's shifting again. Managing the Y2K ecosystem, feeding frenzy. What they're talking about here are the human resource demands. So where can we find another COBOL programmer? Are there any assembly programmers out there? Where do we get these people? Uh, what are signing bonuses? What are the best ways to keep people on board so that they can't be poached? This was a huge problem uh, towards the end of this whole project. People were in high demand. Skilled people in old technologies were in high demand and very, very scarce. Talking again about Y2K contingency, the biggest test effort in history. Uh, remember I said 50% of a project is testing. Case study, prudential insurance was mentioned. Uh, second generation Y2K tools. In other words, we've gone through the first generation of tools. Now we've built upon those. What's available? What can they do? Y2K risk management strategy, leveraging data warehouse tools for Y2K. Remember the conference I mentioned earlier, data warehousing? Now we're starting to look at the data warehousing tools as actually tools that can be used in Y2K. We're modifying database databases en masse now. We're not going into the individual data. We're taking entire databases and converting them through the use of these tools. Again, Y2K legal issues. This is now at every single Y2K conference. It wasn't so much at the beginning, but it is now. Uh, gaining the Y2K high ground via outsourcing. I mentioned outsourcing earlier. They hadn't spoken about it at the outsourcing conference, but now it's one of the hot topics. Who do you trust? How do you manage an outsourcing project? Do you have people on the ground? Do you send people to India? to oversee what's going on, or are you just going to rely on the reports? Uh, we're starting to do virtual teams for the first time. We'll have a team of outsourcers, coders in India, working with a team of people in Chicago or Toronto or London, and how do you do virtual teams at this point? This, for, Not quite sure, but this is the first time virtual teams are becoming really, really important, and we're depending upon them more and more. Managing a supply chain. The Y2K, Y2K problem isn't just your organization. It's all the data that comes into your organization from your supply chain and all the data that goes back out to that supply chain. Uh, not uncommon for two different companies to have taken a different approach. And when they start exchanging information, they run into Y2K issues. Uh, some humor is beginning to creep into this. One of the titles is, if you can sleep well at night, you don't understand what you're dealing with. A common enough statement, very, very appropriate to Y2K at this point. 
value-added Y2K, harvesting components for reuse. At this point, we're saying, okay, we've built these tools. How are we going to use these tools in other areas once Y2K is done? How do we build these things so that we can reuse them later down the line? We're trying to make sure that we can get some leverage off the investments we've made on this one-off project. Uh, the discussions about whether you build versus buy uh, it's not as simple. You have an old payroll system, and you say, we're not going to fix that. It's going to take too much time. But buying a new one isn't an easy task either. Uh, implementation of a new tool in the middle of all of this, of a new application, is not a simple task. So there were many discussions about that. We were starting to look, about, at, look at impacts in areas that we hadn't looked at before. Y2K impacts to voice and data systems. Y2K triage. Triage was something that I introduced. It was simply the, the realization that we were not going to be able to get to everything, that we had to identify the things that were mission critical and make the hard decision that the only systems that mattered were mission critical ones. They had to be completed on time no matter what. If there was another system that was really important, and you'd lose money if you didn't get it done, but you wouldn't lose the organization, then you had to put that one to the side. If there were other tools that were really useful, and they were nice, and they were convenient, now they're secondary to Y2K projects. The only things that mattered were the mission-critical systems. And that, in the end, is why, on the year 2000, nothing much happened because we focused on the, th the stuff that really mattered. We took care of that first. 1998, back over to Phoenix, uh, New uh, Arizona. I don't know why I have New Zealand up there. Okay, embedded systems. Embedded systems were beginning to become an issue at this point. Organizations had been tuned into the idea that it was possible for there to be hardware systems that they didn't really understand the internals of, and the risk was raised that maybe, just maybe, those systems had built-in date problems. The risk was there. The risk was, in actuality, less than what we imagined, but we had to work at it. And there were systems that we found where the embedded coding on EPROMs, erasable programming memory, EPROMs, and all this stuff. That needed to be fixed. Uh, there was more case studies. Y2K at IMS, a pharma, pharma monitoring company, where they had to deal with lots of different pharmaceutical companies and consolidate the data. Uh, embedded systems came up again, a, commander, a commando approach to success. Limited ex exposure, again with the legal stuff. Accelerated testing, which is a really bad indication that our testing is taking far longer than we expected. So people are saying, okay, this is how you can accelerate it. And quite frankly, accelerated testing to me usually means here's where you can cut corners rather than doing it nice and carefully the way we should have done before. We started to talk about the social impact. This is not a technical issue anymore. We're talking about how will society be affected? How will your community understand what's going on? And we're trying to dampen down now the concern that we've been raising to create awareness. As I said in an earlier presentation, 1998, I'd come to the conclusion that we would pretty much fix this. In early 1999, I wrote the article, Doomsday Avoided. This is based upon the feedback I'm getting at all the different conferences. Uh, we're, so at this point, we're planning for the social impact. How can we dampen down the fear? Now we're getting to another point where the projects are coming to an end, and now we need to start talking about your career. Where do you go from here as a programmer or a business analyst? What's your future move? And this is starting to be discussed. We're not there yet. We're not finished yet. But people are looking forward to saying, you know, someday this will all pass. What do we do next? Contingency planning. There were three different presentations at this particular conference on contingency planning. 
uh, data issues in Y2K testing. You can see how the conversation changes. In the beginning, we're talking about making people aware. Now we're talking about contingency planning and problems with testing. Again, another one, it's not just a computer problem bringing the people and the societal impacts again into the discussion. External staffing problems. Not only do you have to worry about the staffing problems in your own organization, but now you're worried about staffing problems with your vendors. It wasn't unusual. It was rare, but it, it, it happened that organizations would go to their vendors and say, do you, are you going to be ready? Do you need help so that we will be able to rely on your product? Some people exchanges happened. Uh, head on forward, go to New York City this time, 1998, March. Uh, the usual stuff again, talking about implementation techniques, embedded systems, Y2K program office. In my opinion, my estimation, I haven't done a deep analysis to it. The first time we started to talk about things like project management offices, in other words, someone who's responsible for a myriad of projects in an organization was during Y2K. Why? Because if you've got 1,500 different applications, you're not going to have one project. You're going to have a billing team. You're going to have a sales team. You're going to have the inventory team looking at the different partitions that you've arranged. And you're going to have different projects working on different components in your across the entire organization. You need someone to organize that, to oversee that. So we started to bring in program offices, strategies for small to medium-sized companies. Lots of the early activity had taken place in larger organizations. The small to medium-sized companies hadn't really got on board. Some hadn't gotten board, on board as late as 1998. So we have to start having some conversations with them as to how they need to move forward. Uh, at this point, though, they're able to exploit the second, perhaps even third generation remediation tools. Uh, outsourcing has been well defined. The tools are there. The strategies are there. So they've got a running start, even if they did start late. Y2K in the desktop continues to be a discussion. Enterprise testing, setting up the project office is a different topic. Enterprise risks within your trading partners. Again, indication that there's a realization it's not just your company. It's all the companies that you deal with. Uh, a lot of organizations didn't think about that in the beginning. Remember John Koskinen's um, ex experience. First, he was given the task of handling only government issues. Then they realized that had to be expanded from government to all the vendors that supply government. Then he had to expand it from government and the vendors who supply the government to international exchanges. One of the trademarks of Y2K is that the deeper you look, the bigger the circle grows. Implementing structured reporting systems, um, critical success factors again. Uh, another warning, pay me now or pay me later. Avoiding recontamination of fixed systems. This happened often. And it's an indication that the partitioning that you had done wasn't perfect. In other words, if you're changing section A of the code and someone else is changing, hasn't yet changed section B, if you put in section A of the code and it starts feeding data into the section B code that hasn't been fixed yet, section B will start failing. You haven't made any changes to it. You've just changed the data that's coming into it. And when you start having contamination, it's evidence that your partition partitioning project didn't get it right. Final topic in this particular conference, one of them, sorry, I have another page to go, the media, the law, politics, and Y2K. Yes, there was politics even back then. Avoiding legal nightmares with respect to fiduciary responsibilities. Late 1998, the term fiduciary started to enter into Y2K discussions. What does that mean? It means that the board of directors have a fiduciary personal responsibility for making sure that the company that they are a board of is getting things right. If they're not doing what they need to do, they are personally liable. So we start to have lots more conversations where the term fiduciary is, is 
coming up. And the intent of that is to put the members of the board's feet to the fire so that they're doing their job to make sure that the final I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Work packet development, managing the chaos. Uh, again, this is inter-vendor discussions. These are data flows that we're looking at. Solutions to desktop PC problems. Desktop is still out there. A lot of people using desktop PCs. It's a huge component of anybody's Y2K project and was not unusually left a, a little bit late. We're talking about this in 1998. Might have been an idea to fix that one earlier. Y2K marketplace, a seller's perspective, vendors getting up and talking about what their market looks like, uh, being attended by hundreds of other vendors. It's an indication that there is enough there are enough vendors at these conferences to warrant their own types of presentations dealing with their issues. That's an indication of how big the industry had grown. AS400 is still out there, and it had Y2K problems as well. There were people out there, big enough market, to talk about AS400 as a topic in and of itself in Y2K. Anytime you hear of a topic title that you're saying to yourself, well, that's a really small market to be talking to, at the at that point in time, that market was big enough in Y2K to warrant its own sessions. Global economic implications of Y2K. A lot of people speculating about what happens to the global economy if Y2K doesn't achieve what we're hoping it to achieve. And the final one at that particular conference is testing is king, and they're absolutely right. All of our remediation was for naught if the text testing didn't come back and say, yeah, this thing's ready to go. Another conference, this one is by American Banker. Now the bankers are really, really involved. 1998, April, Las Colinas, Texas. Uh, this is designed by bankers for bankers is part of the title of the conference, personal or corporate liability compliance. Now we're really uh, putting people's feet to the fire. And it's the people who are running these organizations, the one who's responsible for them. And I'm just going to go down the list. Unprecedented crisis or unprecedented opportunity. I do like the notion of you know calling problems an opportunity. But in reality, they're always more of a problem. Uh, doing the positive spin on it. Yeah, I understand why people do that. And some people gain solace from calling it an opportunity. But I've always dealt with problems as problems. It puts me in the right mindset. Another topic, Y2K, the effect on lending and borrowers. Who are you going to lend from? Who are you going to borrow money to based upon Y2K considerations? Y2K impact on regulated financial institutions. At this point, the American banker, this conference is an indication that we really have finally broken the back. Everybody who needs to be involved with Y2K is now 100% involved and engaged. At this point, there's not really anyone of importance. In other words, there are no large organizations at this point who aren't fully engaged with Y2K. FFIEC expectations of bank management and directors. In other words, another legal threat here. Are you betting your career on Y2K? Another threat here. Directors and officers on trial. They actually had a mock Y2K lawsuit played out on stage. Uh, it was hilarious and frightening, the stuff they brought up. Providing Y2K awareness to employees and customers, more of the social media type stuff, even though we didn't have social media back then, there was still the need to communicate to both our employees and our customers that we are good. Is your bank's response good enough? And in brackets, to protect you. In other words, the people who needed to be terrified at this point are terrified. They are concerned, they're worried, and the IT people in the audience are, are looking on and say, you know, it's a little bit late, but you're finally there. And the good news is we've actually done what we needed to do. Uh, will there be insurance co coverage for the predicted catastrophic losses for you and your bank? Sorry, I'm laughing because it, we needed to hear this earlier. And it finally got there. 
And these are very, very conservative people giving these presentations. And they're using the language that we were using back in the day, uh, back when we started this. Accounting and auditing implications of Y2K. What you must do, must was highlighted, underlined. What you must do to ensure against negligence. Outsourcing data services is a hidden Y2K disaster. Some people were very, very nervous about the concept of outsourcing mission-critical systems to be remediated offshore in time for a fixed deadline that could not be moved. One thing we haven't stressed enough in the series is the, the nature of the delivery date. There, there came a point in time for every application that that was the day. It wasn't always January the 1st, 2000. It could have been earlier. But whenever you start on a project, there was this date in mind that this thing had to be ready by that day. When you outsource services, you're basically putting that responsibility in someone else's hands. This made a certain portion of the audience extremely nervous, the people who are risk adverse. And the people you want to be risk adverse are the money managers in your life. The people who handle your money, you want them to be terrified of risk. This presentation, this entire conference was an indication that they were now terrified of the risk. Uh, another presentation, how to achieve compliance. Where are we now? 1998 Evansville. This particular conference was small conference Evansville, Indiana, not a major hub of commerce, I'm not slagging them, but they're not New York City. They're not Phoenix. They're not London. And this conference was interesting. It was a chamber of commerce type meeting. And basically, it was local companies communicating to their businesses that they'd done their work. This is part of that social media uh, calming people down conference. And basically, recapping all the stuff we'd done and producing positive reports, telling people that we had pretty much done what we needed to do. Totally different tone to this conference than the other ones that we discussed as we've gone through this. Uh, another one, I wish they'd done this earlier. 1998, October, Dallas, Texas. First conference, very first conference where they produced the brochures and the handouts and everything on a CD. If they had started that in 1996, I would have several hundred CDs and I'd have the conference proceedings from every Y2K conference out there. Uh, I didn't. There were 20 different proceedings, uh, sorry, 40 different presentations on this CD. Uh, I'm not going to go through them. It's pretty much more of the same. Uh, nothing phenomenal different from some of the ones we've talked about over the last couple of months, uh, but I wish they'd done this earlier. It's also an indication of the technology at the time. Today, we wouldn't think twice about putting your conference proceedings on a USB uh, drive or putting it on a CD. Back then, this was almost innovative. It's a long time ago. You know, it's 2020 now. It's 22 years ago, and Producing a CD was a big deal. This is the type of technology we were using back then. Uh, today, we'd most probably just use a USB key. Or today, we'd make it available on, on a website. If you want the proceedings, download them. No need to print them out. No need to give Peter a broken back. 1999, October, Detroit. This is now a user group meeting. It's not a Y2K problem. We're talking about user group stuff. We're looking back, patting ourselves on the back. Basically, Y2K has been done by this point. Uh, we've done it. We weren't talking about Y2K. We weren't talking about risk or anything at this conference. It was basically, this is what we did. We're there. We made it. Summary. The message over the years changed. It had to. We were diff talking to different situations. We were talking to different groups of people. We were going from the innovators to the early adopters, early majority, late majority, the laggards. Never did talk to the laggards. We didn't care about them. But as we talked to the different groups over the years, the message changed. The tone changed. The, to the topics we discussed changed. This is true for any change that you're bringing about in an organization. The message has 
to change from one day to the next. We went from technical to management, to talking to the boards, three different, entirely different groups. When we're talking to the boards, we're talking about fiduciary responsibility. When we're talking to management, we're talking about con control and con uh, contingency. When we're talking about technical, we're talking about the fixes and we're into the weeds. We go from how to fix this to, to, to what must we do if we fail, from convincing them to guiding them and from threatening them to praising them. The very last one, the Doug, the user group meeting, was praising ourselves, patting ourselves on the back, saying we did it. And then, now, trying to put it all behind us. Folks, I don't know if you found that interesting. Uh, I found it fascinating. I found it fascinating at the time. Looking back was interesting, going back through all the different conference proceedings and recognizing the names and the topics. And then finally, for the first time, putting them in sequence and saying, okay, how did they change? Even for me, this was informative. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, a little update on the podcast series. I, I know that some of you are subscribed. And for those of you who have subscribed and are supporting me in this, I really appreciate that. If you want to, uh, if you're not already subscribed and you would like to support this project, because it, it is a time-consuming project, I could use your support. Go to www.vimeo.com slash on-demand slash Y2K. You can either subscribe and then access everything that we've posted. There's a lot more sessions that we posted than the ones you're listening to on iTunes or uh, Podbean or wherever it is you're grabbing the stream. But there's presentations behind all of this. One we just posted by Dan Mills has the most fascinating story about how there was the leap year problem that we were dealing at the same time as the Y2K problem affected their organization in the following way. I don't, don't tell the whole story. This is a teaser. I do want you to go look at it. They talked about a situation where a problem occurred in their organization due to a leap year and how that affected their organization. Within six hours of the first occurrence of the problem, that problem had escalated all the way up to the head of the organization. The consequences of the problem was millions of dollars to the organization. And it happened because of a leap year problem. And it's actually the best example I've come across in 30 years of how a leap year problem can bring an organization to its knees incredibly quickly. So if you want to learn about that, head to the on-demand site, www.vimeo.com slash on-demand Y2K, slash Y2K at the end. The weekly interviews are coming a little bit slower. People are reluctant to talk. They say, I don't really have anything important to say. I just worked. And that's what we're trying to gather, are some of the interesting stories from out there. Next episode, I have no idea what it'll be on. All I know is I want you to do the following. Be good, be safe, wash your filthy hands. We'll get through this. Take care, folks. <laughs>